Have you ever been in the right place at the right time? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you just happen to be somewhere. When I was growing up, my brother Josh, he always seemed to be in the right place at the right time to find money. Always. I never found the money. He always found the money. I remember one time we were sitting inside of a restaurant and we looked out the glass window and he sees money just flying in the wind. He runs out there, he grabs it, he brings it in, 20 bucks right there. I was like, how does this happen to you? Always in the right place at the right time. I remember one time that I was definitely in the right place at the right time. December 9th, 2000, I was serving at a church. There was a concert that night and in walked this beautiful blonde woman. And I saw her and said, I need to talk to her. And I did afterwards. We exchanged information. The rest is history. Over 16 years of marriage, praise the Lord. I was in the right place at the right time for God you know, to, work, to work that out. When we talk about Christmas, we are talking about something that happened at, in the right place at the right time. But even more than that, I want you to see this evening that when we talk about Christmas, we talk about the coming of the right person at the right time. Just the right person at just the right time. Galatians 4 is where I'm going to read to you from Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to read just a few verses and you're going to see this is the perfect time and more importantly this is the perfect person. Galatians chapter 4 and I'm going to read verses 4 through 7 here of the text. Galatians 4 4 through 7. Listen as I read. But when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son Born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Here in Galatians 4, we have the birth of the Redeemer, the right person at the right time. So I want to start with the right time because that's where the text begins here. So let's notice that this is the right time. Did you see it says when the fullness of time had come? At just the right moment when God decided it was perfect. In fact, it was the pinnacle of history. The time in which Jesus was born was an optimal time. If you study history and you study this era, it, it, Jesus came in a time called the Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome. A time in which uh, Rome, the Roman Empire was experiencing unprecedented stability and peace. And also a time in which the Roman roads had been built. And it really paved the way for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go throughout the known world. And something else was happening called Hellenization, which was the Greek culture that was beginning to spread to all different places, the Greek language, the Greek culture, which really made it possible for that gospel, again, to be spoken to different kinds of people, for Paul to go on his missionary journeys and to be able to share this good news. Now, some might argue that right now would be the perfect time for Jesus to come. Like, right now, we have 4K video, and we have Instagram Stories And we have, you know, Jesus' birth and life could be live-tweeted, the whole thing. And we could see it with our very own eyes, right? And have it recorded for all of history. And that appeals to our sensibilities. 
But we have to trust in the sovereignty of God. God says that when the fullness of time had come, at just the right time, God knows what he's doing. This was the right time. And this was the pinnacle of all history. Everything before Jesus Christ is introduction, and everything after Jesus Christ is epilogue. You see, to understand the Christmas story, we need to go back to the very beginning of the story. Where does that begin? Well, if you were to read Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God created everything that we see, and when he created it, the scriptures say that he said it is good. Perfection. Peace. But then if you read on into Genesis chapter 3, what do we find? We find that ancient serpent that we looked at last week, that dragon. He slithers in and he tempts. And before you know it, Adam and Eve have sinned. And once they have sinned, there's a curse that is put upon the world. Everything is affected. Romans 5 chapter 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Every part of the earth is affected by sin. The Bible says that creation itself groans. It's crying out to be redeemed. It's crying out for things to be made right. And we are all born into this world as humans with sin coursing through our veins from very, very, very first moments. This sin hurts our relationship with others, doesn't it? Doesn't sin break our human relationships and hurt our human relationships? And that would be bad enough, but there's something even worse that happens. That sin creates a divide. It breaks our relationship with God. From the very moment we are born, we are at odds with God. We are an enemy of God, the Bible says. And God is described as holy, holy, holy. A holy God cannot fellowship, cannot have a relationship with a sinful man or woman or boy and girl. And God is the same God today as he was before the fall. But now that the fall has happened and now that sin is in the world, it creates this rift, this impossibility of relationship. God's standard is holiness. He demands absolute perfection. This is what Galatians 4, 5 means when it says that we are under the law. We are all born under the law. James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been guilty of all of it. How are you doing with that standard? I'm not doing very well. (laughs) Break it in one point and you're guilty of all of it? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God is glorious. God is perfect. And we all fall woefully short of that. If we were to go over to Cedar Lake this evening, like the actual lake over there, and we were to all line up right right next to each other and say, okay, guys, we're going to jump over Cedar Lake from west to east. We're just going to jump over it. Now, it's probably mostly frozen here. Maybe you could slide across. I don't know. (laughs) But forget about that. Okay, so we're all going to jump over Cedar Lake. Some of you are going to jump a foot, two feet. Some are more athletic. They might jump three feet, six feet, ten feet. I don't know. Maybe we got somebody that can jump 20 feet. No one's making it across Cedar Lake. 
No one is making it to the other side. It's easy to compare yourself to other people, right? To look around and say, you know, I'm better than that person, that's for sure. I mean, I might not be as good as that person, but I'm definitely okay because look at all these other people. When God's standard is so far, so holy, so perfect that we all fall woefully short. God is perfect. And so we're all in the same boat in here. All of us are born sinners, born under the law, born falling short of God's standard. And according to James 2, we have become guilty of the whole law. God is a just judge. He must punish offenses. He must because he's just. Here's the real dilemma. I want you to understand this this evening. This is the main idea here. Because we are human, we are required to keep the law. We are. We're required to keep the law. But here's the catch. Here's the real dilemma is we are unable to do so. So God requires us to keep this law, but we are unable to do that. Well, that is quite a dilemma, isn't it? That is a weight. That's what it means to live under the law. We read, you shall not lie, but we find ourselves lying. We read, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. And then we watch HGTV and Chip and Joanna Gaines ruin it for us. We spend our life trying to be a good person, working hard, but with this thought in the back of our minds, perhaps we are not good enough. And that's why sin is referred to as a curse, all right, a curse. It is slavery to be required to keep the law but not be able to keep the law and to be a sinner is slavery. If we were to read all of Galatians 4 and take the time to look at this, we would see that the scriptures say that we are all slaves apart from Jesus Christ. Apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, every one of us is a slave to sin, whether we consider ourselves religious or not. You might say, how so? Well, let me explain. Some of you here today would consider yourselves religious. Say, yeah, you know, I, I've tried to be a really good person, try to follow the Ten Commandments, try to maybe even read my Bible. Maybe you grew up in the church. But maybe you've spent years trying to impress God, maybe trying to impress other people. You've used the Ten Commandments as a yardstick for your life, yet still there is this somewhat suffocating feeling that you're still under the law. You're still not there. You're still not good enough, and you can't seem to get out from under it. You feel enslaved. And if this is you this morning, I want to offer you some hope, some freedom. I want to share something with you that can relieve you from the weight of the law. It's one of the main themes from the book of Galatians. If you were to study Galatians, this is one of the main themes, and that is this. The law, God's law, is a great teacher, but a terrible savior. A great teacher, but a terrible savior. In other words, the Bible is designed to point us to Jesus Christ, to take us to Jesus. It's very good at that. It's a very good teacher, but it is a terrible savior. Apart from Christ, religion, following the golden rule, following the Ten Commandments, being in church, it does not save. In fact, it leads astray because we need a savior. The law is designed to be an avenue to Christ, but Satan likes to make it a cul-de-sac. I wonder if it's possible that you've spent your whole life driving around in that cul-de-sac of self-righteousness, you know, just trying to be that kind of person that God probably wants, trying to be that kind of person that 
other people think is a good person, never getting out, never finding real relief, still feeling like you're under the weight of the law because self-righteousness, religion, by itself is a cul-de-sac. It's going nowhere. It's not going to Christ. Now, with Christ, that's a whole different story. Others of you here would not consider yourselves religious. Maybe you'd say, yeah, I wasn't even sure I was going to come tonight. Somebody talked me into it, or I just thought I'd come. I want you to know I'm especially thankful that you're here. I'm glad that you decided to join us, whatever the reason is, even if you were coerced. I mean, I remember that uh, Kevin McAllister came to church on Christmas Eve uh, because the wet bandits were coming to his house in Home Alone. I mean, whatever reason you came to church, I'm so glad you're here. And maybe you're not religious. Maybe, maybe you're like, yeah, that's not really me. But for those of you who consider yourselves non-religious, irreligious, You've been living your life intentionally trying to avoid the law of God because you know that the law of God produces this feeling of slavery. Like, you don't want to be enslaved to the law. You don't want somebody telling you what to do. You don't want to have to follow the Ten Commandments. You don't want to come to church and hear a preacher tell you how bad you are. So you've been avoiding that. You've been kind of walking away from the law, and you've decided to just not pay attention. Except you're not able to fully ignore it. Because somehow, somewhere deep down inside of you, there's still this nagging feeling, this conscience that there's a right, that there's a wrong, this nondescript guilt that just sits in your soul deep down. And you want to know why you feel that? The reason you feel that is because you're human. And all humans, the scripture says, are born under the law. You are required to keep the law, but you are unable to do it. And so you feel deep inside your soul that something is wrong. You can accept it. You can ignore it. You can deny it away, but the dilemma still remains. I need to keep the law, but I cannot do it. So whether you're religious or not, I want you to see tonight that you are in the right place at the right time because the rest of this sermon is about the right person, the person who can remedy this, Jesus the Redeemer. I want to repeat the text for you where it says this. God sent forth his son born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is why Christmas is so glorious. Right here, because at just the right time, just the right person was born. That's why we're so happy about Christmas. Because we desperately need this man, this person, Jesus Christ. Again, we're required to keep the law, but we're not able to do it. But here is a man who is required to keep the law because he's human, 100% human, but he's able to do it because he's 100% divine. Only Jesus can reverse the curse. I want you to remember that as you go home. Only Jesus can reverse the curse. Did you notice how he's described in verse 4? God sent forth his son, God's son. He's the son of God. And so God can keep the law, right? I mean, the law is the manifestation of the heart of God. So God's son can keep the law. And that baby in the manger, he did not have sin coursing through his veins. He had human blood because he was born of woman. But since God miraculously planted life in Mary's womb, he did not inherit the spiritual pathogen of sin 
from an earthly father. He had divinity and he had righteousness. All of his thoughts, every single thought that Jesus had was perfect. Not only all of his actions, all of his thoughts, all of his motives. Even in his anger, Jesus was holy. We see from Galatians 4 that Jesus is the right person because he is the son of God. But he is also the right person because he is the son of man. He is completely human. You notice it says Jesus is born of woman, born under the law. Man is required to keep the law. And so Jesus is born under the law. Adam and Eve fell in that garden. And Adam represented every single human. He was this representative for humankind. And because he fell, there was a need for another human to come along and to undo the damage, to reverse the curse. And God actually promised this way long ago in the garden. God said there will be another human who will come who will reverse the curse. Genesis 3.15, God's word says, I will put enmity. And this, by the way, is God speaking to the serpent, Satan, in the garden. He says to Satan, I will put enmity between you. That's fighting, strife. Between you and the woman, Eve. And between your offspring and her offspring. There's some human that's coming. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So way back then, way back in the garden, after Adam sinned as representative and sin spread throughout all of creation, God says there is somebody coming, some human who will undo the damage. By God's design, another human would come along and he would break us out of the jail because that's where we're born, in enslaved to sin. Think about it this way. God knew that there needed to be a jailbreak and it had to be an inside job. Right? God had to send his son to be born as a human. The, the scripture says to be born under the law. So though Christ was not guilty, he never once sinned. He willingly placed himself into that prison. He entered the prison. He willingly bound himself to the law. He was not enslaved to the law. He never sinned one time, but he placed himself under the law. And then he paid the price. He paid the price. The scripture says that he redeemed, verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. And that word redeem, it it carries the idea of buying back from slavery. To pay the price, to purchase the pardon of somebody who is imprisoned, somebody who is a slave. That's why Jesus came. We, we are born slaves, and because we're all slaves from birth, we're not able to pay the price. We're not able to break out of this prison. It's going to require somebody else, somebody who is Christ. This one born of Mary came at just the right Time. Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time, Christ came and he died. It was the right time because it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The final thing I want you to see today is that not only is Jesus the right person to free us from this prison house of sin, and slavery to self-righteousness. But he does more than just free us. He does not just free us and say, go ahead, get out of here. The scriptures say here that he frees us and then he adopts us. He makes us sons and he makes us daughters of God. 
This should get you excited about Christmas. If you're a believer, the fact that not only are you free from your sin, but he does more than free you. He makes you a child of God. He adopts us, verse 5, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Family is such a big thing at Christmas, right? Some of you are, are seated next to family. On either side of you, maybe grandparents, uncles, and aunts, and it's a, it's a wonderful time. Some of you are anticipating and looking forward to seeing family. Some of you are dreading it, all right? Be honest. Uh, some of you may even be estranged from your family, and so Christmas is a difficult time for you because you feel that what shouldn't be. I think I can safely say that we all desire a family where we belong, where we're accepted, where we're loved. Believe me when I tell you that the merriest thing about Christmas is knowing you have a Savior that has made you part of his family. You are a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. That is the merriest thing of all. You notice it took a son to make us sons. It took a son, the son of God, the son of man, this perfect person to make us sons and daughters of God. Because there is no other way for a slave to become a son than for the son of God to come down to this earth, to enter that prison house of sin and to break us out. Being religious won't free you. Coming to church at Christmas won't free you. You come to church every single week this whole next year and it won't For you, all you do is you sit in that cul-de-sac of self-righteousness and religion and no way out to get to Christ. Only faith in the right person, Jesus Christ, will free you. And I wonder, have you ever placed your faith, your trust in this perfect one, this perfect man, the God-man, Jesus Christ? And I don't don't know where where you are today. I don't know what your background's like. Maybe... You fell into the category that I mentioned that's kind of religious. And when I'm reading this scripture and I'm talking, you're saying, yeah, you know, I feel, I feel the weight of being under the law. Because I've been trying so hard and I just don't think it's enough. I wonder if God's going to let me into heaven. My prayer for you today is that you see that Jesus came as a baby to live a perfect life and to die on that cross in your place And we just sang about this earlier, right? That he would bear the weight of our guilt. That on that cross, he would feel the weight of our sin. The weight of being under the law. He would feel the weight of being required to keep the law, but not able to do so. And he did it perfectly. He kept the law. He was perfect. So my prayer for you today, if you're in that religious category, is that for the first time this Christmas... You would let it all go and you would say, God, I'm sick of trying to be a good person on my own because it's not enough. Because you came because it wasn't enough. You came because no one else could keep this law, but you did it, God. Thank you, Jesus. And you would cry out. You would receive Jesus as your Savior this evening. That would be my prayer for you. But maybe there's a couple in the other, the other camp. You know, you'd say, yeah, I'm not really that religious. Come to church once in a while. You know what I'm talking about. You've been avoiding the law. You've been avoiding the fact that God wants us to live a certain way, but something inside of you just has not been okay with that. And maybe it's one of the reasons you're here tonight. Because you recognize I need somebody who can keep the law. You don't have to tell me I can't keep the law. I know. (laughs) I know I'm not a good person. I need somebody who is perfect. I need the God man. I need the right person who came at the right time. And that would be my prayer for you.
There is no gift that you will open tomorrow that can hold a candle to the Son of God. Jesus is better. Whatever you're going to get, I don't know if it's a Red Ryder BB gun or a, you know, drone or I don't even know, you know, new phone, new tablet, nothing can hold a candle to Jesus Christ. He is better. And in a couple days, maybe December 26th or 27th, when you put those gifts aside, Jesus will still be better because Jesus, his glory never fades. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And isn't there this letdown after Christmas? It's like, oh man, I got to take the decorations down. I got all my gifts, still don't feel happy. Made it through that family stuff, barely. And you feel this real kind of discouragement come over you. Jesus will still be there. Jesus is better. And if you're his child this this evening, if you are a Christian, you'd say, yeah, you know what? This is a great message. I agree with this. I agree that I can't keep the law. Thank you for Jesus. My prayer for you is you're overwhelmed with thanksgiving. That tonight, that tomorrow you go home and you just can't help but thank the Lord for not only freeing you from that crushing weight of the law, but for making you a son, for making you a daughter, that you have a family, that no matter how jacked up your other family may be, you have a family in God and in Jesus Christ, that you belong, and that you'll just rejoice, that you'll sing carols tomorrow as well because you are thankful for Jesus. With every gift you open, with every smile from a family member, that's just a faint echo of the love that God has for you. He not only loved you enough to free you, but to make you his child. So, Merry Christmas.